God help you. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the fourth Sunday of Misra. And uh, actually, Misra is the last full month of the Coptic uh, year. So we're very close to the Coptic New Year. And, or the Feast of Nairuz, which we celebrate September 11th. And at the end of the Coptic New Year, the church reminds us about the end of time, that the end is near. Actually, if you listen to the words of the Lord Jesus Christ at the end, He said that know that it is coming. Every, like the, the time is near. He says, so you also, when you see these things happening, know that it is near, it's at the doors. And so the end of time is coming, it is very near. And that's why the disciples, they started to ask the Lord in the gospel of today. They said, tell us when will these things be? When will the end of time be? And what will the signs be? When will all these signs be fulfilled? The disciples, they wanted to know the precise timing of the Lord. But the Lord didn't answer their questions with a definitive, clear-cut answer. And I think the Lord didn't want to give a clear-cut answer because the true disciples of the Lord, they always believe that the time is now, that the end of time is coming, that it is near. They always believe that the second coming is imminent. That's why St. James in the Catholic epistle of today He says, come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such city and spend a year there. Buy and sell and make profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Anybody know what's going to happen tomorrow? For what is your life? Is it even a vapor that appears for a little time then vanishes away? Instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live to do this or that. Christians are supposed to live with the mindset that we don't know what tomorrow brings. We are not. We will not be sure if we live tomorrow. And I think one of the biggest issues plaguing Christians, this is the biggest issue plaguing Christians, is that we forget about our end. And we think we will live forever. And we've gotten way too comfortable. We feel too safe in this world. And that's why today I want to speak about living with the end in mind. Living with the end in mind. As Christians, we live with the end in mind. This is the core of our faith. And that's why at the end of this sermon, we're going to say the creed. And at the end of the creed, what do we say? We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the age to come. Amen. So Christians are always living with the idea that the end is coming. But what a disaster would it be if Christians, they don't want the end to come. Wouldn't that be like, we're saying we look for the resurrection and then actually we're not looking for it at all. It's like anyone who's been a student and takes the exam and passes and halas is done. Anybody wish to go back and become a student and wish to to like relive the days of studying and the... No, we look for the end. The end is what we're looking for. So Christians, we are always looking for the end. As I said, if Christians do not look for the end, this will be the biggest calamity. This will be the worst thing in the world. Actually, in the epistles of St. John, 
in the first epistle of St. John chapter 2, he classifies sin into three categories. Three categories of sin. He calls the first one, he says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world. And now he classifies them into three groups. The first group, he says, is called the lust of the flesh. The second group he calls the lust of eyes. The third group he calls the pride of life. And he says, this is not of the Father, but of the world. The lust of the flesh is gluttony, is our sensual pleasure, our passion for lust. The lust of the eyes is the allurement. You know, when you're, ooh, I want that, ooh, I like that. That's the lust of the eyes. It's our greed to accumulate beyond our necessity. The last sin is called the pride of life. The pride of life is the ambition for the future. It's forgetting that our time is limited. It's forgetting that the end is near. You know in the parable of the rich man in Luke chapter 12, I think the rich man he suffered from this sin called the pride of life. Actually, he suffered from all the sins, the lust of the flesh and greedy and the lust of eyes. He suffered from all of them. But the parable goes like this. He says, there was a certain, the ground of a certain man reach yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Take your ease. Enjoy. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. That is the sin called pride of life. This is the sin called pride of life. This ambition that he had for many years to live in ease and to drink and be merry, it's pride of life. It's completely against the Christian concept with living with the end in mind. And then at the end of this parable, it's written that God said to this rich man, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose things will those things be which you have provided? (laughs) St. Basil, he says something very funny about this rich man. He says, Those who seek his soul were at hand... And this man is conversing in his soul about food. That that very night his own soul will be required of him. And all the while he was imagining that he would be enjoying his possessions for years to come. <laughs> Can you imagine on, you know, you're up to, to go and all you're thinking about is what you're going to have for dinner? <laughs> That's not the Christian mindset. The Christian mindset is living with the concept that the end is near, that the end is at hand. In the first epistle of St. Peter, chapter 4, St. Peter says, but the end of all things is at hand. He says the end of all things is at hand. And then he gives a series of instructions. And today I want to go through those set of instructions. And we'll see how St. Peter teaches us how Christians ought to live with the end in mind. The first thing that St. Peter says, he says... But the end of all things is at, is at hand. And the first thing that St. Peter says is, Therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. 
That's the first result. You know that the end is at hand, so what should you do? Be serious and watchful in your prayers. In the gospel of today, actually the Lord gave the same instruction. Actually the same instruction that St. Peter said. In the gospel today it says, Take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. I think when St. Peter was giving this command to be serious and watchful in our prayers, I think he remembered something very interesting in his life. I think he remembers when he was in the garden with the Lord, and the Lord was telling him, watch and pray. And guess what? St. Peter's so sleepy. He's all sleepy. And the Lord came back to him and said, watch and pray. Watch and pray. And then St. Peter would go back to sleep. It happened three times. He's going back to sleep, going back. And so I think now, St. Peter, he learned his lesson. He said, oh wow. And he saw that the end of the life of Jesus was, was at hand. So then he gave us this command that actually we have to be serious and watch in our prayers. I think one interesting thing, I want to go on a quick tangent here, is because sometimes we think the saints are like superhuman. You know, the saints are the superhumans, they're the ones that they they can just stay and pray all day. But here you see St. Peter is sleeping, just like any any person at night, it was getting late, very tired, and he fell asleep. So I want us to realize that the saints are not superhuman. Even St. Peter, the leader of the disciples, he struggled to stay up and watch and pray. But he learned his lesson. So I hope all of us, we can learn the lesson as well. I think the lesson is that we need to take our spiritual lives more seriously. We need to take our spiritual lives more seriously. You might not remember this already because yani, we have short-term amnesia, kulana. But you might not remember this, but a few months ago, the world shut down. Do you fakrin that? The world shut down. Literally. Like the most crowded places in the world, empty. And the highways empty. The tourist sites empty. The airports empty. And we took the threat of coronavirus very serious. Did we not? Into Fakrain al Kalamda? Well, that was too long ago. And what's so interesting is that this threat impacted our behavior so much. masks, and we all, and we changed, we don't kiss each other, we changed everything. You don't sit in the same place. We changed everything because of this little virus. And I'm wondering, how come we haven't changed our behavior because we're Christian? Or that the second come, or that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming. We've made all the changes in the world because of a little virus that will get sick, and maybe, God forbid, some people might pass away. And we change the way the world works. But when we talk about second coming, or we talk about being Christian, okay, we don't have to change anything. We can be just, we live the same way as other people do. Infat lambda? Infat lambda? Coronavirus changed the way we live and 
the Lord, we don't change the way we live because of the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't make sense. That's why St. Peter, he says, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Be serious. All of us, we need to take our spiritual lives seriously. Everything that we do has eternal consequences. Everything that we do has eternal consequences. I wish we could take our, our, our spiritual lives more serious. To be honest, sometimes we're more serious about the football games that are going on. And we take football more serious than we take our spiritual lives. Sometimes we take politics more serious than our spiritual life. Sometimes we talk about the food we're going to eat and the perfection of cooking and all this stuff and we look forward to all these things more than our spiritual life. We have to be serious and watchful in our prayers. That's the number one consequence of knowing that the Lord is at hand. Yeah? Number two. St. Peter tells us, above all things have fervent love for one another for love will cover a multitude of sins. If judgment day is coming and we're going to be judged, what are we going to be judged upon? Our sins. But love will cover a multitude of sins. How can love cover a multitude of sins? Actually, Solomon's in the Proverbs, he says the same thing. He says, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all transgression. You know transgression? We always use transgression and sin kind of interchangeably, but there's a difference. Transgression is when you break the trust with someone. When you break trust with someone, that's called transgress. When you break the trust with someone, you've transgressed. So the, the, the proper understanding is that love can cover this transgression. If you break my trust, if I, like I trust you and you break my trust, but because I love you, I'll cut It's okay. Move on. Because love covers the multitude of sins. I was thinking about parents. You guys know this concept very well, don't you? That you love your kids. No matter how many times they sin against you. Yeah? They tell you, Papa, you're mean. You're to this. You don't, and you don't care. And all. But parents, you still, you still love unconditionally, right? This is the same idea, love covering multitude of sin. I wish that not only do we think about this in relation to our kids, but actually we consider it in relation with all other people. That's why St. Peter, again, he says, have fervent love for one another. He has the end in mind. He will not let little things, little arguments, little sins, little conflicts get in the way of our relationships. We have to love each other. We have to cover each other. Earlier, I spoke about the parable of the rich man. But I didn't tell you the context of the parable. The context of the parable of the rich man that built the barns Do you guys know what the context was? Anybody remember what the context was for that parable? It was about a man in the crowd. He came to the Lord Jesus and said, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And the Lord Jesus Christ said, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. Then the Lord went on to say the parable of the rich man. So it was as if the Lord was telling this man, let your brother have it. Don't let these little things, don't let these little things get in the way of your relationships. 
oftentimes the love of money breaks relationships between spouses, between siblings, between everyone. Be careful that the love of money does not break relationships. See how the Lord, He deferred this top. He said, think about this rich man, he's built up all of these things. And then in the day, his life will be demanded of him. Then what are, we, what are you going to say about It's all petty stuff. Love covers a multitude of sin. You might say, Abuna, this person did this and this against me. How can we be reconciled? You might say, like we have different personalities. That's all excuses, guys. That's all abad. It's all abad. We can go on and on. Love covers a multitude of sins. Christians living with the end in mind, they're absorbed by the love of God and therefore they have no time to worry about these little petty things. You know, at the end of time, it says in Matthew 24, that one of the signs of the end times will be that the love of many will, the love of many will grow cold. Everyone will be so cold and so... But... Christians, that's why we're called to do the opposite. To love with fervor. Bil-harara. To love unconditionally. That's what Christians who have the end time in mind, they love unconditionally. The third instruction that St. Peter gives us is to be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified. Christians living with the end in mind, they serve. They minister, they are giving, they are hospitable. They will use the talents that God gave them. Many times if you think, oh, my time is done, that means, khalas, I need to go and relax. No. Actually, the time for? For service. And here I want to address two like important points. I want us to realize that God has put us in this place, in this church, in this time for a service, for a ministry. And often people... Two things that people often do is they say, I don't have a talent. I don't have a gift. I have nothing to do. And this is often due to a jaded or deeply distorted image of oneself. That's not true. That's not true, Khalis. And that's the furthest from the truth. Christians who are living with the end in mind, they do not make this excuse. Another excuse that people sometimes make is sometimes they have talent... But for one reason or another, they're not using it. That's a waste. <laughs> you have a talent, but you don't use it. I feel like we have a lot of talent that's being unused, for sure. A lot of talent that's being unused. Christians who are living with the end in mind realize that judgment day is approaching. The final examination has come. <laughs> and you know what the first question on the exam is? The first question on the exam, go read Matthew 25. The first question on in Matthew 25 is about how we should be doing service. It says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was stranger, you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison, you came to me. So the people who were involved in service, those are the ones that got to enter the kingdom of heaven. 
The last instruction that St. Peter gives us is that Christians living with the end in mind, they won't be hindered by or stopped by afflictions. Even the gospel today says that you will be hated for my name's sake. And St. Peter says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is in you, as though some strange thing happened to you. Then he goes on to say, If anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. One of the ideas, even in the Pauline epistle today, it says, like St. Paul, he wanted to go visit the church in Thessalonica, but he says this, he said, Therefore we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. Satan hindered us. Means that any time you want to do something good, any time you know you have like a desire to be godly, Satan is trying to stop, trying to hinder, trying to block the way. He always puts conflict. He always puts mishakid. He always does this stuff, and he tries to hinder the way. The Christian, he sees all these problems. He sees this. Then he goes, oh, I give up. Halas, I'm done. Mishais. I won't do anything. Yimfa? Yimfa Christians to be that way? No way. No way. Christians, when they see the affliction, when they see the problems, when they see the trials, they don't just give up and walk the other way. Actually, we face the afflictions. We face the trouble. We face the difficulty. And we don't give up. That's why later on in the same epistle of today, St. Paul, he says, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we were appointed to this. He says, Khalas, we know the end is near. We know Satan is going to try to hinder us. We know Satan is going to try to stop us. But we're not going to let anything stop us. Yeah? No one should give up. No one should give up. Today, we discuss what it means to be a Christian, to live with the end. In mind, to live with the end in mind. All of us as Christians, we have to live with the end in mind. We said four things. Be serious and watchful in our prayers. Number two. Number two. To have fervent love for one another. Love covers a multitude of sins. Number three, we said we have to minister to one another. We have to help one another. For we have to endure afflictions. We can never give up. We can never say, Oh, I'm a We can never give up. Oh, I had to give up. And glory be to God forever. Amen.